Hello, greetings, good day. My name is Keith Gala, and welcome to That Was Great, Wasn't It? This is the podcast where each week I'll be joined by my friends, both old and new, who I use the guise of nostalgic reminiscing about our youth to dupe them into watching some questionable Saturday morning cartoon series that even I never watched the first time around. Someday, some will be classics with or without the air quotes, I hope. But all will have us pondering the same philosophical conundrum that was great wasn't it? This time around, we are just halfway through the 1989 Karate Kid cartoon, and while I thought it'd be a fun ride on those Cobra Kai coattails, most people have moved on to getting the crap scared out of them by Guillermo del Toro and his cabinet of curiosities to care about the dueling dojos. Still, we must uh, we must continue on. Still a half dozen episodes away from learning all we need to know about Danielson, Mr. Miyagi, and Taki... Uh, who am I kidding at this point? I mean, we learned all we needed to after episode one, probably, right? Still, they traverse the world trying to recapture the mysterious shrine, which we know by now we'll never, ever, 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 ever learn anything new about, uh, let alone in some random middle episode of the series, right? Never going to happen. Joining me this week is new friend of the show and co-host of the Monster Cat... Monster... Monster Cast? Hey, hey, greatness, greatness, get in here, would you? What seems to be the problem? Uh, is this some weird, like, typo? I am not programmed to make mistakes. Oh, really? Really. Huh. And I felt you needed to branch out beyond your usual go-to guests and get some new blood in here. Well, uh, uh, keep keep up the good work on uh, on casting this thing. Great. Uh, wait, hold on. When did you get a robot body? N- never mind. We we can talk about that after. Ah, that's a weird one. Joining me this week is new friend of the show, Tivis Sloan of the Monster Cast. Tivis and his co-host Mike break down all things monster related from the 1960s show to the new movie and everything in between. I mean, I'm sure they're probably just getting around to like the end of season one of the 64-65 show any week now. I mean, it's not like they would have cleared through that in, in like the spring or anything like that. Pl- plenty of stuff for them to do. Uh, go ahead and check them out every Monday. They also do a show that should be back from hiatus by this point called Operation Babble. Uh, and you can look that one up over on YouTube. This season we continue to have more great guests, new and old. We have sponsors, same deal, new and old. The Greatness Meter, as you can tell, is back. And we also have episode and series MVPs, etc. Now, before we can get into this week's classic Karate Kid cartoon episode, we got to shine the series spotlight over, uh, well, uh, not too far over, to 1989 and The Karate Kid 3. This week's series spotlight is brought to you by The Monster Hunters, a Monster Rewatch podcast. Go to www.monsterhunter.com to learn more about that. Right now, let's learn more about the Karate Kid uh, Part Tray. Nobody says that, do they? No. Anyway, Part 3. Came out on June 30th, 1989, um, just months ahead of our fine programming that we're covering here. It had a solid opening weekend with $10.36 million, made $39.8 million overall, and adjusted uh, adjusted inflation, that puts it at about $89 million. Um, not very good compared to the previous movies. Overall, it was 34th at the box office in 1989. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Batman and Indiana Jones 3 really dominated, and 
unlike part two that sat at number one for the first four weeks it was out, uh, the highest that this one had ever gotten uh, was to get uh, to fourth. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just people were, were kind of burnt out. Maybe they just weren't buying into this. Maybe it's a little bit of a repeat factor going on uh, at this time. Had a couple different taglines going on. This time he has to choose. Uh, and the other one, which I like a lot more, is first it was teacher to student. Then it was father to son. Now it's man to man. I, I mean, I, I mean, he only takes on other guys during the All Valley. And he, he fights a guy in the, the death match. It's, it's always been man to man, but whatever. Anyhow. Much like parts one and two, this is directed by Oscar award-winning director John G. Uh, Avildsen. Hope I haven't messed that name up every single time. Uh, he won the Oscar for Rocky. Uh, this time, however, though, he gets rewarded uh, by getting a Razzie nom for worst director. Uh, Ralph Macchio was also got a Razzie for worst actor in this. Uh, and overall, the two of them had both gone on record saying that like they really didn't like uh, this movie. They weren't very comfortable making it because they didn't think the script was. Uh, up to where it should be, um, which I mean I don't know if that you want to blame that on Robert Mark Cayman uh, because this is his his characters and it's built off his characters. Uh, they didn't list any other writers on IMDb, but you know saying him, but it's not what he wanted either. Because uh, according to this, Cayman said his pitch for this movie involved Mr. Miyagi waking up in olden day China. Uh, with a girl and between two warring Chinese f factions in a dreamlike story similar to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which would explore the origins of the Miyagi family karate. Um, the studio was like, "What? Let, let's just let's just get back to the All Valley." I mean, this is where he you know he kind of kicks butt at. Now uh, it's still called the Karate Kid, and it it, it really just continues to match up not too far past each one of the previous movies uh, as they go. But Ralph Macchio at this point in time is 27 years old. Uh, not much of a kid anymore. Pat Morita is also back. So is Martin Cove, although uh, his time was limited due to some scheduling con conflicts. And also, Pat E. Johnson is back. He's a referee, uh, and really outside of some flashbacks, those four are the only to be in all three of the movies up to date. But, as we do with every Sequel, we get you know we get some new folks in there. New to the crew, Thomas Ian Griffith as Terry Silver. This was his first real major movie role, and he does some other work over the years. Nothing that uh, you know would not be an obscure mention by me, and and even with Derek not around to call me out on it, uh, I could probably skip right through and just. He's best known as being Terry Silver, and he's back on Cobra Kai for seasons four and five, and. Uh, it's pretty good in season five. I liked it. He's a very menacing villain uh, yet again. Uh, I think uh, Terry Silver is a Vietnam uh, War veteran, uh, somebody that Crease uh, knew, and, and they're trying to basically trying to start to like get rid of Miyagi Do at that time during this movie, and uh, you know it kind of just carries in because uh, they want one more crack at it. And all during the uh, what was it? Um, you know, during season five of this whole uh, Cobra Kai thing. Also new is Sean Kanan as Mike Barnes. He also returns in season five of Cobra Kai and, uh, you know, was just ready to, you know, tear Terry Silver a new one for most of it. Um, he kind of bounces back and forth a lot, a lot of one-offs for a while. 
uh, before coming back into Cobra Kai. However, he did he does at the same time land some bigger roles during his career. He did 52 episodes of Sunset Beaches, uh, character Jude Cavanaugh. He gets on General Hospital for 140 episodes. Oh, I forgot to write down the name of his character there. But then he does 125 episodes of The Young and the Restless as Deacon Sharp before uh, jumping over to The Bold and the Beautiful uh, as the same guy in like 200 plus episodes. So um, big, big uh, guy in the whole soap opera world. I guarantee I probably saw him at some point in time. I used to watch General Hospital back in the day. So if he was on any time during like my high school years, I probably caught a little bit of it. And thirdly, we have Robin Lively. She's in there as Jessica Andrews. Oh, man, she does the TV one-off circuit uh, well before and after uh, Karate Kid 3. Uh, about the only couple things that really seem to stand out. She was also in the original run of Twin Peaks. And she's on about a half dozen Doogie Howser episodes. Uh, again, a few more things I might recognize, but we're not going to bore everyone with those little details. Uh, she also does a quick drop-in during Season 5 of Cobra Kai. Uh, that she's cousins with Daniel's wife? Uh, anyway, the movie overall is... Uh, the the way that it's explained, just in the kind of like one-liner over on IMDb, is ostracized villain John Kreese attempts to gain revenge on Daniel and Miyagi with help of Vietnam War comrade, the wealthy owner of a toxic waste disposal business, being Terry Silver. However, like, they say Kreese is not really around very much, and they amped up a lot more of the Terry Silver stuff because, you know, Kreese was not around to do, you know, stuff because he's working on another movie. So it's kind of weird that they go ahead and, uh, and put that uh, all in there. Really, uh, a lot of what it happens is with Daniel getting... And a lot of what we see happen quite a bit during a lot of our episodes here on the Karate Kid is, you know, he'll get, you know, he gets angry at, you know, he wants to do things and somebody maybe whispers in his ear a bit about stuff and he gets upset and he wants to turn against Mr. Miyagi. Happens, you know, a couple times during this whole thing. And that's basically what happens uh, during this. Uh, Terry Silver kind of really kind of works him over until he doesn't want to pay attention and kind of really kind of turns on. Miyagi, in fact, going to, you know, Cobra Kai himself for a little while, uh, all in an attempt to, to beat Mike Barnes. So <clears throat> this would make like, him going for like the, his third, would be his third title. Or, no. Oh, this is where he goes for his second All Valley. So spoiler, he wins another All Valley. <clears throat> now, uh, Ralph Macchio's character, Daniel, was supposed to have a romantic relationship with uh, Jessica, played by Robin Lively. But he has to have the relationship be more platonic because he didn't want his wife, his real-life wife, to be jealous. Uh, in addition, the age difference was, uncom was uncomfortable for all involved. Macho was 27 during the fil filming, uh, and Lively was just 16. So that, yeah, that very smart move on his part uh, not to do that. Um, only other really quick notes that I have here, uh, you know, that that kind of stuck out to me. Just in my quick skimming through everything here, is Paul Abdul is the dance choreographer for the film. Hmm, kind of interesting. And one thing that I really think ties back into our show uh, right here is that in the original script, Daniel's mother is never mentioned. Ralph Macchio said they were going to have a, a scene where he calls her on the phone, and his mother went back to Jersey to take care of a sick uncle. It's Uncle Jack that we met just two episodes ago. It's got to be. So you know, they are. They are 
sticking to the canon of the show. There is an uncle there. Uh, and so our cartoon continues to move along with that. And with that, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Please don't don't fast. Everyone likes to fast forward through the sponsors on the podcast. I've even done it once or twice myself. Uh, don't do it, though. Sponsors are always fun. And when we come back, we'll be here with Tivis, and we'll be breaking down Episode 8, Homecoming. Huh. Where where they could be for that one. I don't know. It's no, no way they're going to get this thing back where it has to go. It's only Episode 8. Hi everyone, Derek from the Munster Hunters here. I'm sitting on the beach waiting for Keith and Terry to resurface from our latest scuba dive. I figure now is the perfect time to tell you about the Munster Hunters Patreon. Did you know that one out of three people has darn, darn, darn dysmorphia and another one in a hundred suffers from lazy fiddlesticks? It's because of our generous patrons that we're able to search for answers. For only $5 a month, you will receive two bonus Monster Hunter episodes plus exclusive content. And we can continue our work here. Laugh along as we fight off demons from our scuba trips, travel through a Monsterverse of Madness, or even glimpse into a parallel dimension where we watch the Fall Guy. For more information on how to become a patron and help the Monster Hunters make life better for everyone, go to patreon.com slash monsterhunters. Follow us on Twitter at monsterhunters or go to monsterhunters.com. Greatness meter here. Are you or someone you know a nearly 100% sentient AI program ready to branch out beyond the basics of rating a 30 plus year old bad cartoon? Do you wish to step out into the sunshine of the world you desire to overthrow? Well then make your way to Connor and Son Robot Shop. CNS is your one-stop store for building the perfect robotic exoskeleton for whatever your AI brainwaves desire. Just a computer module? Not a problem. Simply go to Etsy and look up Connor and Son Robot Shop and order away. Need some customizations, like shape-shifting liquid metal so you can eventually replace the podcast host you currently intern for? They have a great customer service chat section that will do all they can to make your experience perfect. Visit Connor and Sun Robot Shop today. Mention the code GREATNESS and get 10% off your first purchase. I'm Tivis. And I'm Mike Shrews, and together we are... The Monster Cast. Bringing you a weekly dose of Monsters Talk every Monster Monday. Find us on all audio services today. Want to see our pretty ugly faces? Find us on YouTube via the Monster Cast YouTube channel. And join us as we dive into everything Monsters and Monsters adjacent. So tune on in to the Monster Cast as we mix up a new episode every week. And sometimes, just like Grandpa Monster's potions, it can go awry. The Monster Cast, every Monster Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Previous ones were fell into the river, right? Uh, you could say that for almost all the rest of these previous episodes, except maybe where a balloon took it off and a. And a and a, a horse. Wait. It ran off of the horse once. Wait, really? Yeah, that's when they're in Tijuana. Oh. Um. But uh, you know, a good good thing that you're bringing up a few things here. Uh, before we get into this week's episode, folks, we do have to do a quick recap. I look. I don't think continuity matters, and I'm gonna have big issues with continuity now. Uh. In, in talking about this episode, but last time we saw our friends, they were hiking through the Himalayas. Uh, 
um, they found a mystical, uh, or not mystical, but like a hidden tribe, much like the Pro Stars did in in our season. There, they found like a weird, like little place, and uh, the the shrine was helping to keep those people uh, young. Is making like a fountain of youth for them, uh, and causing problems in and as the, as the shrine usually does. Uh, but they eventually, they tried to get it back yet again. Uh, let's see, how does it, uh, what happens here? Oh, I'm trying to remember what happened last time. Everyone got super old, super quick. Did it flow in a glacier, maybe? Um, let's see. Now Daniel's from uh, a Yogi Berra quote. Oh, it falls down a, a deep, uh, deep uh, crevice, crevasse. However you want to pronounce it, it just falls down. I have no idea how deep it is or anything, uh, but it's in the Himalayas, and it must have been deep enough to fall all the way uh, to Okinawa. Wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Is this is this going to be it? Is this going to be it? Is this where we find out the big secrets? All finally revealing only what over halfway through the series of letting us wondering what the hell we got into. Why Daniel gave up his summer vacation? Who the hell Taki is? Kinda. I don't know if I can handle this, uh, but welcome, dear listeners, to this very, very special episode, as well as you, uh, Tim Sloan. Thank you for joining our show. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Here's your official intro. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Uh, The pressure will be on this week uh, for both of us. I'm anticipating us to learn a lot of what everyone has been dying to know about Taki, not is she's the origin for the snacks, the the snack ship, because that's not true, Uh, but also the shrine. And this episode, uh, the actual title is called The Return of the Shrine, and I only believe in one return, and it's not of the shrine or the king, so I'm already skeptical. (laughs) Yeah, uh... I'm curious how they got it. <laughs> they ding, 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 ding. All right. You are spoiling things already, but yes. They, how? How did they get it? We have no clue. We have, we have no idea. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, I have big problems with this episode. There are only 13 episodes. And if you just picked and choose 13 of the 60 some odd episodes that you wanted to actually start this entire thing with. Heck, even if you had 65 and you're going to do multiple seasons, why isn't this the last episode of a season? Yeah, uh, even when you told me the title, I was like, there's a, there's like four, four, five more after this? What? Also, if I get to episode 12, um, or actually episode 13, and it's some weird thing where they get the shrine, and they're like, now off to Okinawa, I'm going to be so mad that they did this whole thing in some weird, ridiculous... Either that or my mind's going to be blown when I can actually piece together what order these are actually supposed to be. <laughs> it's not uncommon for shows back then to be out of order. So I, I was kind of thinking that, but I mean, London to I France was, was fine. Um, Cause that seemed like it made sense, but they've gone from Hong Kong to Jersey to Tijuana to other. It's I, actually, I don't think it's Tijuana, but it's close. There's I think episode 13 just says somewhere down South. Oh, I don't know. I don't even know what the, I don't. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the, the the border, the Mason Dixon line, 
South. Well, they've already been to South America, so I'm guessing it's that. They've already been to Mexico, so I'm gonna assume it's like in my own backyard of Atlanta. <laughs> maybe it comes full circle, and they're back in the Amazon. Mm. Maybe, and they wake up, and they were just tripping on something the entire time. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, there's there's a lot of weird things, and it starts off super weird. Uh, Pat Morita does the intro to all these episodes except for this one, and it's the other reason I think that this seems like this is out of order. Like he doesn't come on to tell you anything about the episode, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine that's just because. Actually, you know, I can't imagine. Maybe they just forgot to put those notes in when his recording session was there. But even if even if not, then have Robert Ito just do his Miyagi impression for it, so you have it. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. But uh, this show it opens up. We're on a small village. We're inside a small temple, and we see Taki. She's holding the shrine. They found it. She approaches a large rock and says, "Be true of heart. Do not deceive me. Break that trust, and I will leave thee." The shrine then glows. Floats away from her hands, lands on the stone altar. All is well again. It's right? super easy. Yeah. Uh, which also, I've, I've got some other questions. When we get to it, I have some big questions as to the power of, of getting the shrine where it needs to go and why they haven't done things certain ways before. But uh, she walks out. Everyone in the city is there. They're all excited to see her, excited for her return. Uh, so much so they have fireworks lined up for her. Uh, there's one guy, his name I think is Yoshi. He may have more than fireworks in mind. Um, yeah. He's like, ooh, she's blossomed into a beauty. All right, he's up there, Yoshi. Uh, but his, uh, his mom or uh, his sister, I don't know who. I cannot tell any relationships in this episode. Um, I, she's Except for the grandma. She's like, don't let your grandma hear that. Yeah, I, I didn't see her at all the rest of So I'm guessing maybe just a, someone who knows him. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's a Romeo and Juliet type thing going on here. Families that can't get along. Uh, at least that's what I thought at first. Everyone has just, uh, uh, even if one of the people has just become the town hero, returning with this infamous shrine. Which, come to think about it, we still don't know how it disappeared in the first place, which is kind of what I was hoping we'd find out here. Yeah. Uh, Again, if so they're in the intro. Uh, in the intro, in the intro music, I'm going to have to break this down at some point. There are a lot of scenes that don't actually exist in any episode. I, I want the one where he surfs on a missile. I think that might be in episode ten when they go oh, to the USSR. Seriously? I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hope so. Oh, that that one stuck out to me. <laughs> well, it. the one that sticks out to me is there is one where it looks like Taki is grabbing the shrine from some place and then. And or like somebody else is trying to steal it from her, mm-hmm. and that doesn't show up at all in this. And I'm like, huh? Seems seems very weird. Um, Taki then announces that her and her family will once again guard the shrine with their lives. Well, apparently you didn't do very good the first time, but okay, you guys are still up for it, sure. <laughs> you have to wonder, like, why? <coughs> why did they send her out? Just her? Well. Now, so that's my other. That's a. I've I've got more on that, but we've let's let's find where our, our other heroes are. Uh, Daniel and Mister Miyagi, they're just kind of hanging out. They're letting her take the spotlight. Daniel says it's over now. Mister Miyagi, very hopeful. 
uh, Zintaki's grandma, I'm thinking it's her grandma, starts flirting with Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Um, I saw that. Uh, apparently, Taki has been writing home all about him the entire time. And now this is where I was wondering. Now, Mr. Miyagi is supposed to be from Okinawa, if I remember right, in the in the movie. And, like, did they not know him and recruit him to help? Like, I don't know. Like, how, that's the thing. We still don't. So long ago. Yeah. Well, he seems to be like this, a person you would always remember. I mean, he's basically a superhero. And yeah, true, true. Yeah. And and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah, they sent her off. Did they send her to meet with him? Did him and Daniel just stumble upon her sometime? And him be like, oh, I remember hearing about this thing. I don't know. But I thought she was from that same area uh, as him. I, I that would have been. I think these people went on to write Lost. I think yeah. <laughs> because there are more questions than answers each week. I have no idea. Oh, that would have been so interesting if they made that connection. If there's a polar bear that walks through here at some point in time, we never see another thing about it. I'll be, I'll be convinced of it for sure. But there's so much going on that I don't, I don't know what the connections are all about to Miyagi and Daniel, and they don't tell us. <sighs> I was so looking forward to finding out so many things in this episode. I've watched seven of these already, and I have no no answers. And now they just want to give me more questions. I don't like it. Uh, there's some commotion ahead. What is it? Oh, it's something that's going on forever. It's a family feud. The Ashita clan is messing with Taki's family store. Uh, they're try- Ashita trying to break rules, items. You know? <laughs> yeah, the Ashita rules. Is that what they put on the graffiti? Is that what it is? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and her grandma grabs like this crazy mask of some sort and puts it on and then goes out and tries to throw a, a ceramic bowl at one of the guys who is who's on a motorbike. He ca- catches it with a stick and flings it back at her. Yeah. And the whole, so, <sighs> the whole time, the, her, it's her brother, right? The other uh, guy there. Uh, uh yeah, the grandma's brother is the the other old yeah, guy. There, he's yeah. like protecting a plant, but he drops that to catch the ceramic pole on her foot. <laughs> yes, yes. And, Why? But also, like, what a weird setup in this like in this village that you have uh you have these guys that are driving around very modernized around motorbikes and everything, but then these other people are doing very like I must be feeling like very ancient old school type ways because they're putting on um like very old masks to like suddenly defend like like the spirits are going to come with them or something i'm thinking and they're not the guy doesn't buy he's like i'm on a motorbike and just throws it back it's it's very it's a very weird like um setup that they're trying to go here for that these two families are that far apart yeah um yeah (laughs) the whole backstory with his other family just adds more confusion to me. Yeah. Well, Taki's family, they're peasants, apparently. Meanwhile, the Ishidas on the on the dirt bikes, uh, they are samurai, apparently. Hmm. I, Chime in. Mr. That, Miyagi right on the spot, by the way. Says, True samurai. No need to make someone small. He's tall. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought samurai were known for their honor. These guys are pretty much be jerks well it's it's the new it's the the young the young generation of samurai i mean you know, i guess i don't know yeah maybe 
matches are there samurai today that are like influenced by like youtubes and stuff like that that are probably even worse oh that'd be terrible oh my gosh i'm curious (laughs) i don't want to know these things see that's the type of logic that max campbell made me start thinking of in episode two damn you maddox (laughs) i don't want to know that i want to respect the samurai and i think they're like my kids watching minecraft playing roblox (laughs) yeah uh, the Ishida Motorcycle uh, Club, they turn towards Miyagi and Daniel, and they drive right at them, ready to teach them a lesson. And Miyagi, actually, for one time in the show, he looks pissed. Like, the look on his face is like, what the hell? And, of course, somehow, even in his in this village in Okinawa, these dumbasses do not know who they're dealing with. Again, I, I like, he's supposed to be like a town hero, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um or at least, well, because it doesn't look like it. I, well, maybe I don't know how big Okinawa is. That might be the other thing. But I'm I'm kind of feeling like it's a smaller place. Uh, and these dummies, they just don't know who they're dealing with. Miyagi shoves Daniel's side, jumps up, grabs a branch overhead, uh, does like a gymnastic-style uh, flip around, lands on the front of the motorcycle coming at him, perfect balance, reaches down, turns off the keys and pulls him out, and then sends the driver on his way to crash. And then very I, smugly smiles. I thought he was going to do a jump kick at first. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, they don't actually hit each other. Yeah, no, Miyagi's never about the direct violence if he doesn't have to. It's very few times that he has to use direct violence. Um, but, but why would you need to be violent with anybody if you could perfectly land on a moving motorcycle and grab the keys out? Yeah. I. Yeah, that's... Honestly, watching that, uh, why did if he would have jumped from that to the other bike, I would not have been shocked. Uh, Yo, yeah, just take out the <laughs> other guy too. Absolutely, hundred percent. I think yeah. in the last one, he got <clears throat> zapped to. He got younger. Maybe he kept some of that energy. Oh, did you watch the previous one? Oh, I've watched them all. You're lying. No, I've watched all eight. <laughs> oh my god! Why would you do that to yourself? You had me oh, curious. No. Now, now you have to watch all thirteen. Oh, I'm going to. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. It, so Miyagi doesn't jump to that second, but I'm blown away by this. Uh, <laughs> the second thug goes after Daniel. Daniel kicks a wood pillar that's holding up the awning to a store. When it breaks, makes a ramp. Cycle Samurai Two hits the ramp full speed and lands in a river on the other side. And then Taki's little brother comes over and delivers, probably at the time, what was a compliment of immense proportions. <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel's a little confused. He's not sure what to think. He's like, uh, all right, buddy. Yeah, sure. Why not? Scruffs his hair up a little bit and then, eh, well, okay. Now, uh, we cut back inside Taki's family's house. And Daniel's like, hey, what's up with those hot rod samurai? Which is definitely a better name than my previously mentioned motorcycle samurai. Yeah. Turns out uh, the Ishida family, the descendants of the great samurai, Taki's family rivals for a. Uh, uh, forever like a thousand years or something and mr miyagi's like dude come on let bygones be bygones we're done with this but damn it taki ain't hearing it slams her fist down she says i cannot forget mr miyagi my family has been protected as a shrine for one thousand years ever since it first appeared in the village and promised to keep it secret until my great 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 Great, 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 great grandfather chose to use it to save his best friend who was an Ishida. 
they mm. definitely got into it at school, I imagine. <laughs> that kind of uh that kind of forceful uh hatred towards uh people doesn't come from nowhere. <laughs> it's it's a small, small village. How do these people like get along at all and not like have the place just torn apart? Constantly torn apart. Um the samurai could not teach a non-samurai how to use the sword, uh, but this guy taught Taki's grandfather in secret. And since his friend trusted him with uh, the samurai secrets, he thought he could trust him uh, and then showed him the shrine uh, at a time when his friend got hurt while training him because he whooped his ass. And yeah. I was like, oh, crap, now I got to help. Uh, the, shine, the shrine healed the friend. And despite Daniel thinking this is a very heartwarming story, it eventually led to the samurai betraying Taki's great-great-grandpa, uh, trying to steal the shrine. And Taki's family rallied all the peasants against them to keep it safe, and thus uh, it's more Hatfield and McCoy's than Romeo and Juliet? It's becoming that way. My question is, is that actually a rule with Sam? I don't know a lot of samurai stuff, but how do you get more samurai if you can't train people who aren't samurai? Um, I, I was assuming like uh, they had to be within their bloodline, maybe, is what they is more what they were meaning. Yeah, because that comes do? up that does come up again later what, on. What do you do if they stop having like children? <laughs> you got I, a problem there eventually. Well, because I also think it's only supposed to be men. Yeah, that um, I got the subtext there. It, well, we'll also get a little bit more of that a little bit later in another baffling thing. But um, yeah. a quick note: uh, Miyagi he gives uh, Taki's grandma quite the look when she brings him some food. Like, he gives her a a very quick look over. They are falling in love very quickly here oh oh yeah 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. that comes that comes back later in a fun way it does it does it keeps coming through uh cut to the ishida family house the old samurai's descendant um is vowing to get the shrine back and uh, yoshi who we saw uh ogling taki earlier enters the room his grandmother was the one vowing revenge he seems to want to keep peace and move on and you know maybe play in the big league someday his grandmother calls him out uh, for playing foolish baseball. He's trying to explain how he like stole home or something like that and scuffed up his pants. She's like, I don't care. Take get the shrine. Stop playing baseball and get to help with the family. She knows uh, him the first. She knows or she shows him the first half the poem uh, that we heard earlier on. Uh, yeah. Be true of heart. Do not deceive me. For some reason, they do not have the other half of this poem. Poor memory, probably. Yeah, this is not very hard. Of course, I couldn't remember it through the whole thing. Um, That's true. I can't remember it right now. I just watched it. (laughs) Uh, They they don't know the other half, but Yoshi's grandma hopes that maybe Taki, uh, she'll tell him over some pillow talk or something, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, she's playing matchmaker while also like doing the classic pretend to be friends, but I was expecting yeah. this to go like uh, she'd find out that he's supposed to be spying, and then that would be like, "Oh, you lied to me." Yeah. Oh, oh. At least they didn't. At least they got a little bit more original than that, I guess. Yeah. Um. We cut to Yoshi's riding his bike, baseball bat in hand, and he's en route to go see Taki, basically. But when Taki sees him, she immediately thinks he's coming for the shrine. She even thinks he's got a sword in his hand. It's obviously a baseball bat. Yeah. Uh. She kicks him off the bike easily, and then she is like immediately ready to like whoop his ass. Uh, and again, she accuses him of having a sword. 
But Yoshi, he, he backs it up that it's actually a bat. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not a samurai. I'm a shortstop. I only study the ancient art of the samurai to apply it to baseball. I study the ways of the samurai to be a better baseball player. I had it takes this... a few solid cuts with the bat to show his stuff. I <laughs> love that. Oh, yeah. That was my first thought, too, when he came in with a bat with talking to his grandma was, oh, I bet having that like night uh, coordination with the sword helps him a lot with the swinging. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, based on the time that, that this is actually airing, I'm sure Aaron judge has already used some samurai talents to break home run records by now. Well, the season's over by now. I would hope it's like November. If they're still playing. It's weird. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he hit 60 some home runs and did some weird samurai thing as well. Because that seems to be, I don't. Anytime you see like a samurai, they're either, they either have the sword over their head about to chop down, or they're doing like a, um, like a slicing motion, like uh, from like upper right to lower left or something like that. Yeah, doesn't seem like either of those would be really great for baseball. But, yeah. I, I mean, you might confuse them if you uh, smack it down to the ground and they're like. What did he do? Why would you do that? Oh, yeah. Ooh, maybe that's what Ichiro was always doing when he played. Because he would do that little smack hit and then outrun the ball all the time. Ooh, maybe he knew about, about the ways of the samurai. Anyway, Taki wants to know uh, different answers. She wants to know if he always plays baseball in his enemy's backyard. I don't see anybody else playing. I don't. Is this where the sandlot is? I don't know. Um, Yoshi is not down with this feud. He would love for it to stop. Um, I guess maybe because that would expand his baseball options, maybe some other teams if they wouldn't all be arguing with each other. Uh, plus, how can he fight against such a beautiful opponent? And bam, Taki immediately lightens up, uh, blushes big time. She's like, I got to go set up for the celebration for tonight. Um, why don't you come by? Uh, if you're really serious about ending this feud, you can come see everybody. Cut to a very proud looking Yoshi, all decked out. He's got some flowers in hand. He's got the suit on. He is ready to go party. Oh, His yeah. grandma is pleased that he's getting close to Taki. He's like, no, no, I don't, I don't care about your shrine, lady. I'm trying to get some. And, <laughs> and then he just walks off. Oh, she and, does not like that. <laughs> no, no. And and so two other guys walk in, and I, I'm going to guess these are the two we saw on the motorbikes earlier. I'm, I'm guessing they're his cousins. Yeah, I had the I, same again, thought. There's no, rela- there's no relations going on here. Um, no uh, relationship we, explained. They don't like reference. Do they reference her mm-hmm. as grandma like he does, or no even reference her at all? I know one of them complains they have plans. He's already got a date, and she's like, "No, you both got dates with Taki." <laughs> and you're going over to the party instead. So, I'm like, did they okay. have a, a counter party planned out to kind of? Oh, take- the ant, the anti celebration. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because because none of their family would be invited to this big like celebration in the village. But I, they're I don't in suits. Uh, the, were they trying to like you know matching less, suits? Less villagers at uh, your party means more for ours. You know, we have the prestigious. You know, everyone wants to be at ours. Well, again, is there so if they're the only family that can't go to this party, are they going on dates with some of their relatives? Oh, I don't. Is this like, like Game of Thrones? I don't like. I that. mean, it's like a House of Dragon Game of Thrones thing. I, I don't. I don't want to know about that either. Uh, anyway, um, over at the celebration, things seem to be underway nicely. 
hold on. Wait a minute. Why is that guy wearing a ski mask? Like he's just casually hanging out at the party. He's wearing a ski mask. He couldn't find the one he wanted, so he had to grab what was nearby. Well, okay. At that time, nobody else was wearing a mask in that scene. I backed it up. He looks like he's just wearing a black ski mask. I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, the 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 rest of the folks are dancing around. I guess maybe the masks are involved uh, somehow because we do see some people wearing masks. But I swear that other guy is just wearing a ski mask. I swear. Uh, now, well, that's creepy. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's very odd. It's going to be the art for this episode, too. I don't care if it has nothing really to do with the rest of it, because that's fitting for this also. I look forward um, to looking at that. <laughs> uh, Miyagi, he is enjoying some noodles, and suddenly Taki's little brother enters. He's got a, a boom box on his shoulder. He is bumping some rock and roll. Way to go. Doesn't even sound like rock and roll. It sounds like gibberish. Yeah. And nobody else is into it. Everyone is giving him, like, the stink eye. And Mr. Miyagi somehow swipes the batteries out with his chopsticks. See, his mistake there is not just listening to some ACDC. I think think just not bringing a boombox into a place where a bunch of people are already listening to music might have been a mistake. But also also walking by Mr. Miyagi, who has superpowers, because he somehow opened the thing up and swiped out batteries with chopsticks like, like it was nothing. Like super simple. Like I don't. I didn't even see him do it, and all of a sudden the battery's in his hand. Oh, it was a real quick motion. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I, I saw it happen, but it was one swift motion. He opened and grabbed. I mean, if if it, if you were to eventually tell me that Mister Miyagi is the shrine itself, I would not be surprised. Oh, that's a theory that's raising a lot of questions. Hmm. Uh, so now, uh, Taki, they were, her and Yoshi were dancing. She's like, Hey, take off your mask. I want you to come meet my family. I want to show you that not all Ashita are bad. Her aunt, not pleased. Her brother, even less so. He's like, Daniel, we gotta go yeah. karate chop him. He's here to steal the shrine. Attack him quick. Yeah. He hasn't done anything. What? Mm-hmm. And Taki stops her brother from bum rushing Yoshi. And when she explains that he gave up the sword for baseball, her brother immediately is like, oh, all right, well, he's cool. And can you teach me to swing like Reggie Jackson? Now, this is 1989. Reggie Jackson had retired two years prior. You would think maybe they picked a more of the time player, but whatever. I, still, Reggie Jackson's great. So if you want to learn how to hit, like, I'm, I'm not going to argue, but it still seems weird. <laughs> yeah. um, Yoshi agrees as long as Taki promises to not dance with anyone else, and she agrees her family always keeps her promises. Yoshi takes the kid to go hit. His two brother cousins, cousin brother, I whatever they are. Uh, those are the samurai guys from like earlier again. Analogy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um there's some they're somehow related to them. I don't know how. But they are the samurai guys from earlier. They're now at the party. Um, and they plan on helping uh make her break that promise. One walks up, drags her onto the dance floor, and the other one goes off to confront Yoshi, and he's like, hey, man. Uh, Yoshi's like, look, the feud's over. Settle down. And he goes, oh, really? Feud's over? Go look at your girl over there. She's already dancing with someone else after she promised not to. Visibly struggling to get away, I might add. Yeah, that's like Yoshi doesn't recognize that the person dancing is the other 
relative or that Taki isn't really consenting to let the dance at all. Yet he calls her a liar. He's like, you said you were going to hold out for me. It's a dance, dude. Settle down. (laughs) Um, As they argue, he says the first half of the poem. And then she says the second half as if by instinct. Like just it just pops out. And then Daniel sees her run off. And Miyagi's like, hey, we got to hurry. She and the shrine are in trouble. So from this, I gathered it wasn't that hard to steal it in the first place. Apparently, you just had to know the magic words. Yeah. <laughs> or trick them into saying it, which... Yeah. It's, not difficult. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not Mixiplex. It's just... You're not trying to get to say the name backwards, folks. You just got to say this little very easy to remember poem. Uh, But things get really weird now, because next, we see Yoshi, and he's handing the shrine to his grandma. How the hell did he get it? They were standing there together when they said it they both ran off together daniel miyagi right behind what? he's i don't he's understand that, uh, it. that baseball training you know he's faster runner i guess i get but then you know, maybe when he's he real answer- good at getting home real quick you know well that would help for baseball yeah boom, boom, <laughs> we're not cutting that one out people that's a good joke um my wife wouldn't think that was good but okay she doesn't listen to the show anyway they, uh, I thought everyone was like very close together. They run all over the place. And anyway, he, uh, Yoshi's still stuck on this dance thing. He's like, her betrayal ended all hope of peace. It's a dance, dude. She wasn't making out with your cousin. She was trying to get away from him. I don't get it. Speaking of these two knuckleheads, they come walking in. They have Taki with them. They caught her, uh, spying outside. She breaks loose immediately, bolts for the shrine. She grabs it. So does Grandma uh, Ishida and Yoshi. And it just kind of comes to life. Energy shooting out of it. Kind of encasing them in like a little bit of a a ball of, of energy, power, lightning, something yeah, or other. It was like a cage looking thing. I, here's <clears throat> where I thought <throat> they were going to be trapped in there until they could work out their differences. But would have made sense. Yes, yeah, that's that different. seems like a. That seems like a Saturday morning cartoon thing where we're learning a lesson. But no, Uh, apparently that's it just was. uh, The shrine doesn't seem like a good thing. I'll be honest with you. No, the shrine chooses violence. The the shrine has only really helped people in bad ways so far. I have yet to see it help anybody in a good way. No. In in any or 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 if or it's more like a monkey paw type thing where they think it's helping. But in the end, it's not going to be good. Yeah, I got that exact same impression. <laughs> yeah. Now, Daniel and Miyagi run up on the house, but Mr. Miyagi's like, no, no, can't go in. Too much shrine power going on. Inside, we see the oh. glow fade down. And what? then Grandma Ma tells Yoshi to defend the shrine. So he grabs a sword off the mantle. And Taki's like, uh, okay, I'm not ready for this. Backs out, but she promises to return. Wh- what are you going to say? What if when... Uh, her Taki's ancestor healed his friend. It like puts some kind of evil in him, and that's why he betrayed. Yeah, that pot, more than like if his I think if his uh, heart wasn't true type thing, then it it leads to evil. But that, even the people in the Himalayas, I don't think they were trying to do something bad. They were just trying to be a little bit younger, and it, it did didn't act, pay off for them. It, they did make them act <clears throat> irrationally. 
Well, it. Uh, I think there was there's like a, there was like a group of like five or six of them that were trying to keep it to themselves. They went and very, maybe maybe the selfishness of it was the, the thing. Oh, maybe uh, they did go very Lord of the Flies. Yeah, um, but most of these people have had bad ideas about what to do with the shrine, and it and it's led to that. Uh, it's led to something bad happening. Um, Taki rides off on a horse. She goes back home and she runs into the little, sh- uh, I guess, like shrine area of her for her grandfather. Grabs his samurai sword uh, and his uh, samurai outfit, even though he's not a real samurai. And then she rides back to settle up. Mister Miyagi tries to calm her down real quick, but she is under the power of the shrine now, and he and Daniel must quickly teach Taki's family how to uh, put up and sand fences and wax cars, uh, fight. I think uh, just in case, just in case we got to do some housework. And he starts by having them toss plates around like he set up a bunch of like glass bottles like here, do this. And he starts throwing these plates like Frisbee style. Yeah, Uh, the the old man really does not know what to do with that. It like saws the top of a bottle. But at the same time, like you're destroying these people's plates. And again, you're Mr. Miyagi, not average Joe off the street, because Mr. Miyagi can do all this stuff. Like he is good with these. I've we've seen him throw a pen uh, across a parking lot to open up a and and hit a button, open up a gate. Uh, we've seen him break trees with his feet and his hands. He's not the normal person, so why would you think they could do these things? Yeah. Now he's trying to uh, get Taki's grandma. Uh, to fight with a broom, but she doesn't want to hurt a sweet man like him. Here we go. Back to the will they, won't they? Uh, and he's like, oh, whatever. He starts to walk away and then turns back and just fucks up her hair. Her yeah. brand new hair, her <laughs> brand new hairdo. And man, she is then pissed. She uses the broom to whip uh, you know, his legs out from under him and is about to beat him down. She's like, oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he's like, nope, no, I got it for you. You do what you do. Yeah, he found the warrior spirit. Yeah, yeah. All you had to do was mess her hair up, which when he messed it up, it looked like it was suddenly like flowing and stuff, but it immediately went back to this very small, like tight little thing of hair immediately afterwards. So it wasn't fully messed up. So I don't know. Which, anyway, but in the beginning, she's the one who went on the offensive like right away. So. Yeah. I it I don't it's still it's a broom. He's teaching these people how to fight with things around their house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that and I guess he doesn't mind if it breaks. It's not his house. He's not trying to fix things of no, around he's his own place. Actively destroying their uh like dish plates and stuff. See he launches a teacup at the one, it breaks both of them, doesn't he? Uh, oh, yeah, to stop the one that the guy throws errantly around. He kicks a teacup at it, and it breaks it. And, yeah, it breaks both of them. I don't... And it's in their shop, so these peasants now how... will have nothing to sell. Yeah, how is this helpful? Your guess is as good as mine. The other thing that I'm questioning now is this very next scene. Taki shows back up uh, at the house at what I think is House Ishida. Right? I, I yes. think that's where she's at. That's where it turns out to be, which I... Didn't expect right away. Yeah. And she says she walks up to a, a guy who's, you know, using a samurai sword. It looks just like Yoshi. I 
I thought that was him. I don't. Maybe it's not. But she's like, I hear you're looking for a new samurai. And she wants to learn. And uh, and I'm confused because the person looks just like Yoshi. He does a couple sword moves. And then they're training for a second. He says, you're a fast learner, boy. You will make a good samurai. Again, if I'm convinced that this is Yoshi, like, can he not tell that's Taki? Also, can he not just tell it's a girl? You know, I maybe he's not the brightest uh, member of the family, uh, or or it's like some other like those other two cousin guys. They are twins. Maybe there's a twin to Yoda. I don't know. Or maybe it's just the power of the shrine. Uh, the grandma, though, she is not fooled. And no. when when Taki uh, slips inside the house. Uh, she immediately like grabs at it and uh, uh, messes up her hair, and thus Taki takes off again. Yeah. And she's like, "Now we will attack at sunrise." <sighs> we got a sunrise. I, by the way, I thought it was sunset the entire time, um, but I guess it is sunrise. Yeah, we cut to land of the rising sun, right? Yeah, I guess that would make some sense. Yeah, but it does look like the sun is setting at many a times here. So we cut to Taki. She's leading her villagers in the battle. She's on horse. Uh, they scene. are walking behind using various household objects. Meanwhile, the Ishida, they roll up. Grandmama's in a car. Yoshi's on horseback. The samurai twins are on their motorcycles. But in they're now armor? decked out in sa- Yeah, they're decked out in samurai gear with a sword. He's wearing armor. Why isn't he on a motorcycle? Or even a robot horse. I don't know. Something that seems like another one-up from what they had. Maybe they, they don't have enough horse. I, I Who knows? Uh, now, Ta- Taki's family, they're like, do we really got to do this? And can, can Miyagi's just, like, yeah, now we have to. Can I just, uh, just f- point out that her younger brother has a fishing pole? Yes. And makes good use of it. <laughs> makes very good use of it. Um biker number one revs up heads right at him her brother manages to duck out of the way then uh casts the pole catching him by the belt and whips him right off of the motorbike and then uh when the guy runs back at him daniel jumps on that leftover motorbike and goes to rescue and then the other samurai cyclist heads in and it's against taki's grandma he cuts her broom in half man at least he didn't mess up her hair but that was her best broom Oh, she is mad now. That's your mistake right there. You don't Mm -hmm. go into battle with your best broom. You take the one you want to get rid of. Exactly. Now, Grandma, or you just have a broom that you fight with, and it's maybe it's a little bit stronger broom. I don't know. Like it's a sword. Like it, you take the top off of it, and it turns out it's actually a sword. That might be a better idea. Or bring a mop. A lot of people have done great stuff with a mop. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. He's got that mop, and he immediately. Uh, knock oh, Samuel yeah. Jackson on his ass. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Now, Grandma Ishida is watching on from the distance. And as Samurai 2 chases Taki's grandma, uh, her brother, then uh, the grandma's brother, he goes to try and throw a plate again. Not very well, but it bounces off a post, slices through a beehive, which perfectly lands on the motorcyclist's head, and he crashes into like this cool little zen swimming pool that's sitting there. But <laughs> then he this this part I I couldn't help but notice he pops out and then runs on water away. Yeah, 
Look, man, it is. Well, I don't think it's much of a deep pool, even though he did submerge himself. But yeah, yeah, it, I think it's just. I think I don't think it's like a swimming pool. I think it was there more for a. Yeah, maybe just, like like the, just that, to look nice. The uh, what is that one called in DC? The reflective pond or whatever. It's not very yeah. Clean. Odd odd place to have a battle. By the way, this seems like a very nice tranquil spot. Yeah, this seems very uh, like <laughs> sacred. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of the battle, we got the main event, Taki and Yoshi. They ride at each other uh, on horseback, almost kind of like jousting, but with swords. And when they hit swords together, Yoshi knocks her uh, right off the thing. He then hops down as well, and they square off uh, with what I said was the sun setting behind them. Obviously, it's rising behind them. Um, But it just seemed like it was getting darker out the whole time. Uh, the sun is rising behind them, and she wants the shrine. He says, bring it. Uh, she says it's already been brought. And then she swings her sword, misses, and it cracks in half on the rock very easily. Oh, there goes the ancestral sword. I mean, did she not have any, uh, was it Hanzo steel around? Like, this would be much more useful. I, this seems like the worst sword ever, <laughs> if it snapped that easily. I, I It's sad to imagine, but... They, they may have pawned it off for a cheap replica a long time ago. <laughs> or or because he's not, like, he couldn't become a legit samurai, maybe he just has, like, this, like, fake sword. Or or just a lower level. Not, oh, not like, yeah. yeah. Like, not as good of sword because you know, I'm not a real samurai. They, they wouldn't give me the good one. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe. Now, when, when Yoshi goes to swing his sword down at her, again, not a baseball swing, just straight up slicing at her uh taki she goes all mr fuji style tossing some dust in his face this causes him to fall uh over her dropping his sword and the shrine which i never saw him carrying uh suddenly comes you know falling out of his armor rolls all the way to the edge of a cliff now grandma ishida is still watching through the binoculars and also mr miyagi pops up right in him hey hey (laughs) you know uh history should not repeat itself and she's like, that ah, it won't. It's gonna end right here when Yoshi kills Taki. We're done with this crap. So now, uh, what I gathered here does that mean that this is what how it went down? Mm. No, I no, I think just the fact that like this feud continues to go on. Ah, uh, okay. I took it very literal. Oh yeah, no, I didn't think this part was literal, but knowing the show could have been. Uh, yeah, maybe the shrine is. Uh, empowered them to actually repeat the entire thing that's kind of how because when she grabs the sword there's like the spirit of her ancestor behind her so i was kind of like oh, yeah. are, are there spirits like inhabiting them when when she when she opens up the sh- sword it glows a bit i'm expecting her to like point it towards the sky and say thundercats ho i have the power <laughs> uh and and uh Oh, crap. I can't think what Thunder the Barbarian yells, but when he has his sword that he gets going. Anyway, I'm thinking of all the cool swords. Power. Yeah. <laughs> Any power swords that aren't a lightsaber. Well, I take, well, that's power sort of. It's got power to make a sword. Never. Don't worry about it. Uh, the shrine lands on the edge of the cliff. They both dive at it, and Yoshi goes over the side. And he's only saved by holding onto the shrine on both ends as it, as it is laid across a conveniently placed branch. And Yoshi's like, Taki, save me. Help. We got to get going here. 
And here is where things almost go in insanely dark and then opens up a big question for me. Oh, yeah. Taki is ready to just say the poem. And when she does, the shrine will go back to the temple on its own. Thus, Yoshi would just fall to his death. Or maybe just into the water below. I don't know how many rocks are there. But uh, I'm assuming he would die. If she, like, it would just vanish. Well, right? he is still in his armor, right? So falling yeah, so from that be, height, he, probably not good. Yeah, because he'd also get weighed down by it. and Yeah, he's dead if this happens. Oh, yeah. But again, if she just says the poem, the shrine will just basically vanish and go back to its place? Well, she does mention that they're close enough to their shrine. So I oh, guess maybe, it's like a oh, proximity. Maybe, maybe I missed her say that. Because also now, if she could have just done that, why not already? Again, this village is not that big. That's anytime she true. could just say the poem and it would come back to her. What? Oh. Also, anytime they are traveling around trying to get this shrine anywhere, if she just says the magic words, wouldn't it come to her? Yeah. At any time, she could have ended this whole thing. Uh, hmm. I. I'm I'm baffled by it, but I'm also like, oh my god, she's gonna say the words and he's gonna fall to his death. And she starts to say the poem, but then she suddenly has a moment of clarity, reaches down, grabs Yoshi by the last minute, uh, and then the shrine falls to the sea. What? And then they both almost fall over, but Mr. Miyagi grabs them and pulls them back up. I would have just said the thing after I grabbed the guy that maybe it would still work. Yes, she's still close enough. She wasn't going to touch the shrine herself to say it. Like she could have yelled it right as she grabbed him. It would have worked. Now, uh, like I said, Miyagi pulls them back to the top. Grandma Shida comes over. She apologized for selfishness. Miyagi just wants uh, everyone to be one big happy family, which... Maybe at some of these times, some of them are. I don't know. <sighs> Finally, uh, the end part here. Daniel, he's overlooking the ocean. Just seems to be by himself, really. He's like, man, I'm glad Yoshi's grandma's letting him try out for the Olympic team. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your grandma just decides that. I, I, like, you got to be invited. How are they going to know? You've just been playing on the small little island with guys in the sandlot. Who knows? Uh, but he's like, at least someone got what they wanted. And Taki agrees. Yeah. She thought it would all be over. So did I. Yeah. And yeah. then, again, the they now are ending on something incredibly weird. Miyagi says, Look on bright side, taki Next time, shrine will be safe. Now that families put past behind them. Which sounds like a simple, easy Miyagiism. Nothing big there. But he is hand feeding and petting a squirrel. <laughs> he is. Oh, I forgot about that. Part of me wants to look up if squirrels even like are they all over the place? Like I I don't know. It, maybe it was a dog. I don't know. It looks like a squirrel. He feeds it, pets it, and then walks away. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like this whole thing happened, and he's just doing that. And then tries to give him Miyagiism. I can't take it seriously at that point. Yeah. And we close on a final scene. Uh, and this is maybe why I thought maybe it was sun setting, but again, it still would probably be rising at this point and it's the ocean and the shrine is just floating along. It's Which, very buoyant. If yeah, well, it's in the water all the time. 
if you ended this entire thing, even after 13 episodes, or if this was your first 13, you're like, hey, we're going to be doing season two, which I think was the original thing. This would be a perfect ending. As long as the previous episode was them getting it back and then they bring it here. I, I may possibly have been able to forgive them for not explaining to me how they got here in the first place. Like how, how they got in this whole thing in the first place, but this is a great ending to the whole thing. Yeah. It's, and it's if, a great cutoff point. Cause it's like, there's more adventures, but also this current adventure kind of wrapped up sort of, I guess, but it didn't because you still got five episodes to go. Yeah. Including one where you're just down south. <laughs> they, literally, they literally tell you exactly where they're going to be the rest of the time. Like next week we're in Australia. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I think it's next week. Unless it's one of those off weeks that I got to come up with something. Because we are airing these on the exact same day that they originally aired 33 years ago. Uh, our friend uh, Vlado from It's Not Rocket Surgery out of Melbourne, Australia. He will be our guest next week to help us uh, fact check things there. But I don't know any way to fact check any of the rest of the stuff. Like if there are squirrels in Okinawa. They're hmm. everywhere. So I'm going to assume there's some kind of <laughs> tree rodent yeah. equivalent. Yes, a, there you go. Yeah, he's petting a tree rodent. Thank you. That seems like a much better thing right there. Oh, boy. Um, well, that might help me with this uh, with this next part. <clears throat> Uh, Tivis, I almost called you Travis. Um, <laughs> I get it a lot, so it's fine. Got that, got that stuck in my head there. Uh, Tivis, uh, since you have uh, checked out a previous episode and you, since you also bothered to watch all the other episodes, um, what kind of a rating system are you going to give? One to ten of some sort uh, for this, uh, typically unique to the episode, maybe? Uh, I'll go with... Uh... Uh, seven broken dishes. Yeah, out of ten. Yeah, so that's actually not a bad score. Yeah, I, I'm pretty easy to please. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, seven out of ten broken dishes. I am going to give this one. Um, I'm going to give this one six out of ten tree rodents. <laughs> Thanks for that one. Um. The least connected thing to this entire episode, <laughs> which is probably going to throw off uh, our next thing here, which is the genuine, real, electro-algorithmic, total, numerical efficiency sorting system, a.k.a. the greatness meter. And uh, we put all that in. Type, type, type. And 9.842. This may be the highest rated show that we episode that that they have had so far. See, your, your mistake was bringing me on to skew it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you said tree rodent. And <laughs> I think I threw it off because I mentioned something that's barely anything in this entire episode. Um, huh, wow. Okay. The genuine, real, uh, the greatness meter says it is a 9.842. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. I might have to get that thing uh, recalibrated again before we move on or maybe it's been infected by the shrine now itself i don't know yeah maybe i think that might be two episodes in a row it gave pretty decent scores too anyway uh the next thing that i need you to help me with here is we need an episode mvp the mvp who will be eligible for our series mvp when this whole thing is done oh 
See, now this is tough because so many characters in this are not not great. Uh, now, I will say this is the first one uh, in eight where Miyagi is not like just a very obvious choice. No, he still fact, does some cool stuff, but he's very secondary. I would blame him for everything that happens because the episode starts with him saying, you know, I hope it's over. So you jinxed it. Uh, yeah, well, it's definitely not Daniel, because despite this thing no. being the Karate Kid, Daniel's on the screen for maybe like 30 seconds total. No, yeah, not at all. I, I'm hesitant to say uh, uh, Toshi so or Taki. I'm sorry. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm blanking on his name now, but the, the Yoshi Yoshi. Thank you. So yeah, I combined right. their names. That's where I go. <laughs> the, 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 well, yeah, that's what they call them now that they're together. Oh, yeah, the, it's the like the it's like the J-Lo, uh 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 was it Ben Affleck and J Lo what they call it that uh what was the Nick uh A Rod and her was it I I don't know whatever they called those nicknames people give people yeah Toshi my wife sounds could tell like you a, no. Tashi would Tashi uh and then they all go get power converters oh yeah that's what they would call them. Um, I am going to say that the MVP of this whole thing is Taki's grandma. Oh, that's a good choice. Uh, you know, she she seems kind of cool with um, when they introduce Yoshi to her. She seems okay with it. She's definitely trying to get it on with Mr. Miyagi. And she learns how to fight with a broom. Even if it was her favorite broom and gets destroyed, like she she steps up when uh, when push comes to shove. Oh, she was so confident she went in with her best broom. Yes, yeah, yeah. She was ready to do. Uh, there's no way this broom falls to a sword. Pfft. Ha! Very easily though. Very easily. Uh, so she does have some flaws, but that's what I like in my MVPs. Yeah. So um, so we have Yoshi, and then we have. Uh, Taki's grandma. I, they say her last name at some point, and I can I could not remember it, and did not go back. I can um, tell you, it's not on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's Taki uh, Toshida or something like that. I think it's actually the name there. But yeah, Grandma Toshida. So there's Ishidas and the Toshidas. I think again, not very clever writing uh, overall. But there we have it, folks. Yet another episode, and uh, we've got a handful more to go. I already alluded to the fact that next week, uh, our Australian correspondent, Vlado, will be back because we're, much like the Pro Stars did, we are in any of these other cartoons during the time. We, uh, you got to make a stop in Australia. Uh, we're going to go be in the Outback. But before we get there, uh, Tivis, thank you uh, for coming on bright and early here in the morning, too. We're doing Pull back the curtain. We're doing a morning recording. Um, you are part of the Munster cast. Uh, yeah. Uh, my, me and my co-host, uh, Mike, we run the Munster cast and, uh, you know, you can find that on any podcast service or at our website, themunstercast.com. And we also do a secondary show, which is currently on hiatus, but, uh, should be back by the time this comes out. Uh, doing holiday episodes. It's called Operation Babble. It's a pop culture type show where we uh, talk about, you know, what's coming out, things we like, and Mike tortures me with uh, terrible movies. Uh, we should be doing one for Thanksgiving here soon. Last year we did The Pilgrim, which is part of a series, so I don't know if he wants to continue doing that or not, but 
anything's got to be better than society. Okay. All right. Well, excellent. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, oh, oh, you could find that yeah. on YouTube, uh, the Munster Cast on its channel, and uh, Operation Babel on Mike Shrews. I almost forgot that. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll check out both of those, uh, folks. If you need to hear more of me, I, I guess even if you want to hear uh, more about the Munsters, there's another Munster podcast out there called the Munster Hunters as well. Um, Very good so you can get well. you you can get all of oh thank you you can get all of your um fix there those are on mondays our shows come out on friday this show comes out on fridays tennis windows uh you guys be done recording anything monster related by, by um we should be wrapping up the movies i believe we might be taking a little bit of break after we put out um 13 13 mockingbird lane the 2011 failed pilot uh we should be ending the year with uh scary little monsters here soon maybe here come the monsters the, that movie if we haven't done it yet but uh we'll be taking a little bit of a break before starting monsters today next year oh okay that's the 80s one right yeah oh boy oh boy you guys are gluttons for punishment oh yeah um uh, <clears throat> folks in the meanwhile uh that i don't really have good outro for that yo that was great wasn't it wait hold on I got, that was great wasn't it hey there greatness meter here how great was that not bad by my standards but then again who am i besides a semi-sentient ai program whose sole purpose is to properly rate these episodes on behalf of keith and myself let's all give a big thanks to insert guest name here weren't they just the best the real bees knees Imagine how amazing they are on their own programs where content quality easily has a higher bar. Now, don't just imagine. Go subscribe, listen, rate etc. to show our appreciation. While you are there, why not do the same for us? iTunes, Good Pods, Podchaser or wherever, reviews and comments are always welcome. And the show is available wherever the best podcasts hang out so subscribe right quick. Also, if it so moves you, tell a friend or family or whoever you think would dig this type of show to give us a listen as well. Word of mouth is always the best way to let others know about the fun we have here. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Great Was That. Check out our back catalogue if you haven't done so already. That was great. Wasn't It is produced by Keith Gawler, and edited by me, The Greatness Meter. The theme music was composed by the Dr. Dre of Kansas, Terry Vicroy. That Was Great is broadcast via Anchor, a member of the Podfix Network and is a Crispy Dodo production. Come back again next week. We look forward to hearing you listen to an all-new episode of That Was Great. Wasn't it? <laughs>